0: Good to see you all as you have picked up our focuses on men and fathers today and uh, I could empathise with Kevin when he was talking about the stages of um, parenthood. I was here yesterday enjoying a beautiful musical concert when Helen's phone rang and it was our son who was in Auckland and he said, Look, I'm flying out of Auckland Airport tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, and I've just realised I've left my passport at your place. <laughs> <laughs> so I rushed home, I found it, I caught the last bus that was leaving Topor for Auckland, wow. gave it to the driver, he says, Yes, I'll take it, and there my son met the bus and got his passport. And he's winging it to Rarotonga as we speak. I had another email from my, one of my daughters this morning saying, have a great day, Dad. I'm coming up, uh, coming down next weekend. I'll take you, you both out for dinner. It's always good to hear from our children on Father's Day, isn't it? So make sure you ring your parents and you tell them how much you appreciate them. Even if you haven't had a good father, or you haven't had many enjoyable childhood experiences, the fact that you're here today is because you had a father. And it says in uh, Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3, honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, all will be well with you, and you will live a long life. Now that's worth considering, isn't it? And so even if you had a bad father and you may have been abused by your father in all sorts of ways, don't harbour that resentment. Deal with it. Put it behind you. And be thankful for the fact fact that you're here because you had a father and honour your dad this morning. As you can see, this is a service with a real focus on men. And I want to tell you A real men's story today and as I tell you this story there will be illustrations on the screen uh, to show different aspects of the story. In December 1914 Ernest Shackleton set sail for Antarctica with a crew of 27 men. He had advertised in the newspaper in London And he used these words in his advertisement. He said, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in the case of success. Well, believe it or not, hundreds of people applied for that, for that job. People have that sense of adventure, don't they? And so he selected a 27-man crew. He was attempting to be the first person to circumnavigate Antarctica. That was until his ship that was called Endurance got stuck in the ice. And for over a year, the desperate crew counted down the days to the spring thaw when they hoped that that ice would melt. But the thaw brought large blocks of ice crashing against the ship's thick hull. The men had to abandon ship and they had to camp on the ice for five months. Imagine that. They were 1,600 kilometres from help. They had dwindling supplies, freezing temperatures, no communication, treacherous waters, and no endurance. They had to eat their pet sled dogs to survive. But they made a sail for their largest lifeboat and headed off toward a distant whaling station. 60-centimeter waves often engulfed their 22-foot boat and the journey took them 17 days to cover 1300 kilometers. Hurricane force winds threatened to smash their boat onto the rocks of South Georgia Island when they arrived there and then Shackleton and two of his men set off across this unmapped mountainous terrain on a 36-hour, 40-kilometre march to find the whaling station. The frozen men stumbled out of the mountains and shuffled into Stromness Station, where the shocked workers couldn't believe their story. All 27 men on that ship were saved, and eventually they arrived safely back. In England. Shackleton returned home to a hero's welcome, but the final years of his life were agonizingly human. He lacked the personal skills for normal life as a husband and father. He wanted money and launched many misguided business ventures that failed. He became an alcoholic, He died of a heart attack at the age of 47. More than £101 million in debt, which was a lot of money in those days. So how is it possible that the everyday frustrations and failures of life could cut the legs out from under a man of such magnitude and stature? How could he survive the harshest conditions on earth yet fail as a husband and father under the weight of a mortgage. Constant everyday discouragement and failed dreams can lead anyone into that place of despair. Being a parent is not an easy task. And you know, the first few years of a child's life are the most crucial A child's mind is like jelly and it gets shaped into the mold that surrounds it it's important to surround that child with the good stuff before that mind sets a young open mind is a bit like getting a new computer with a large hard drive and you can feed everything into it and it goes into that computer but then one day that hard drive is full and it's harder takes longer to get new stuff into its memory. And so how are you shaping the mind of your child or your grandchild? We need encouragement, patience, compassion, obedience, respect, fun, laughter, vision, purpose, ambition, basic skills, self-belief, and self-discipline? Are you inputting those things into the lives of your young ones? Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You know, in my family as a a young boy, uh, I had five brothers, and my dad was a a pastor, and every evening we would have family devotions. And I didn't always enjoy the family devotions. I used to think that they were boring, but they were usually Bible stories. And I have a, a very good understanding and memory of facts and details in the Bible because of what my dad inputted into me way back then. I remember years ago I went to a, a Christian youth camp and they would divide all this, the campers into cabins and they had a competition to find out who which cabin had the best Bible knowledge and we made the final and it ended up me, me being against this other missionary kid. Missionary parents kid, yeah. And they asked the first question and it was, where was it that the, ch- the first believers were, be- were called Christians? I had no idea. Well I didn't think I had any idea but the word Antioch came into my mind. And I said Antioch. And they all looked at me as if I was a boy wonder and they said yeah yeah that's right. I don't know where that came from but I got it Right. The other guy won the competition, by the way. Um, But we learn this stuff, and some of it sticks, and we never forget it. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Encourage your children. Don't provoke them. Don't tease them. Don't cause them to become despondent we're to speak life (coughs) belief and hope into our children we're to encourage them to give things a go husbands and wives make up a team it's so important that we're unified in the way we train and bring up our children that as a husband and a wife we demonstrate our love for each other so that our children can see that It's not good to argue in front of children. We're to respect each other and we're to celebrate all of those special occasions together. A child craves a father's love and so do everything you can to nurture that love in your child. Young girls lacking a father's love can often fall into the arms of the first male to give them attention. Young boys idolise their dads. They crave their father's attention. They love to do things with their fathers. Make the most of it while it lasts. Moods and values are contagious. Do what you can to bring laughter and joy into your home. If parents or teachers are sceptical about the things of God their children will also be sceptical. There's an increasing opposition in this world to biblical values today. If we don't teach them, there's a vacuum that other fanciful ideas will fill. There's a bias against God in many people's minds today. They see God as a threat to their own desires and ambitions. Paul wrote about people like this in Romans chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 28. Let's read it. It says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. You know, everyone looks at that awesome creation out there and they know inherently that there is a God, but they don't want to give that God their worship or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. These people weren't rejecting God. It wasn't as though they didn't know or understand about God. They knew about the existence of God, but they refused to accept the authority of God. And the result was that although they thought that they were wise, they had become fools. Hebrews 3 verse 12 warns us all. It says, Be careful then, brothers and sisters. This is people who are believers. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Often we have an encounter with Jesus Christ and we yield to him and we make him Lord of our lives but often also the deceitfulness of riches and the troubles and difficulties in life cause us to become apathetic and to move away from our God. I want to look at a few verses from Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2 contains a wonderful prescription for a godly marriage. It says, Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And so Paul is saying that since we are children of our Heavenly Father, we're to model our lives on him and we're to reflect his character in our lives. As God's spirit touches our lives we will desire to be more like him and we will also want to love and help other people in their lives. The more a child is loved the more that child will imitate the parents that love him the grandparent that loves him. Because we have first experienced God's love we are now able also to love and show love and accept other people. We learn most things in life by copying other people. Little children imitate their parents. Teenagers imitate their peers and want to be in the key group and popular. Imitating is all right as long as we're imitating the right people. As a father, I've endeavoured to pass on to my children the wisdom that I've accumulated in life. I don't want my children making the same mistakes that I've made. Hopefully, one day, they'll take what Helen and I have taught them and take it to an even higher level. Christian Life and Faith magazine presented some interesting facts about two different families. In 1677, Max Dukes, a nasty man, married a wayward woman. And over the next 150 years, the offspring of these two people numbered 1,900 descendants. Those 1,900 descendants consisted of seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 women of depravity... 130 other convicts, 310 paupers who lived for over 2,300 years in poor houses, 400 who were physically wrecked by drugs and alcohol. These people spent a combined total of 1,300 1, years behind barns. This can be contrasted with the descendants of Jonathan Edwards, who was a well-known preacher at around the same time. He had 1,344 descendants in the 150 years after his life. And amongst those 1,344 people was a vice president of the United States, three United States senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 missionaries, and none of them spent any time in jail. So this really shows how important parental leadership is in the lives of our offspring. As Kevin said this morning, Not all children of good parents become useful citizens and not all children of unruly parents become bad people. God can move in any situation. God can change and restore. But people leave a legacy. We pass on who we are and what we believe, what our values and characters are to our descendants we can tell a lot about a person by the things that they say and the way that they behave have a look now at Ephesians 5 verses 3 and 4 it says but among you there must not be any hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but instead let there be thankfulness to God. You know most people talk about things before they actually do them and if we're making coarse indecent jokes about stuff then that opens the door to immorality in our lives and in the lives of our children. Also things like greed and idolatry are influenced by the things that we talk about. But an encounter with Jesus enables us to overcome the negative influences of the past. Imitating Jesus sets us on a course for an exciting future. Verse 4 Instead Let there be thankfulness for God. We're to go through our lives with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving. That is such a powerful emotion. If you are thankful for the good things, if you're focusing on the good things that have happened in your life, there's nowhere for the bad stuff to land. Every morning, get up, Look out the window and praise God that you live in a safe country. You've got a clean environment. Focus on the good and the positive things. You know, the Bible talks about faith and believing good things for the future. There's a lot of different religions that are getting on to Bible teaching. And it's all about positive thinking these days. But it's true. It works. And that's what the Bible teaches. Be Filled with gratitude. Look for the good stuff. If ever you're feeling a bit flat, forget about the bad stuff. Focus on the good things. As you focus on the good things, they become greater in your mind and before long they push out all that negative stuff that is making you feel flat and down. People lack gratitude these days. Why should people with human rights... Be grateful. Aren't we just getting what we've earned or what we deserve? The world says treat yourself, you deserve it. It's far more typical of our age than be grateful. People say, look, it's my skill, it's my hard work that's brought my success, so why should I be grateful for it? Gratitude comes through realising that we have a God who loves us and helps us every day and he has promised that all things work together for good to those that love him to those who are called according to his purpose even the bad stuff turns into good stuff ultimately you can look back in your life at some of those bad things that have happened to you and you can see how God turned them around and made it good I want to tell you a story about Thomas Carlyle a Scottish philosopher. He married his secretary Jane and he loved her dearly. But he was insensitive. He was self-absorbed and he treated her like one of his workers. Not unlike some husbands these days. She got cancer and was bedridden for a long time before she died. After her funeral, Carlyle went back to his empty house. He wandered around aimlessly, thinking about the woman that he had loved. After a while, he went upstairs to her bedroom. He sat down on the chair beside the bed on which she had lain for months. He realised with painful regret that he had not sat there very often during her long illness. He picked up her diary and thumbed through the pages. An entry caught his eye. She wrote, Yesterday he spent an hour with me and it was like being in heaven. I love him so much. He turned a few more pages and read, I listened all day to hear his steps in the hallway and now it's late. I guess he won't come and see me today. Carlyle read a few more entries and then he threw the book on the floor. He ran out into the rain and back to the cemetery. He fell on his wife's grave in the mud, sobbing, if only I had known, if only I had known. You know, I wonder how many of us will stand before the throne of our Heavenly Father one day, saying, if only I had known. If only I had known how much you really loved me, God. Just like Carlisle, we can go through our lives. We can get caught up in our own agendas. We can neglect our loved ones, our spouses, our children, and even our God. Just like Carlisle's wife, God will not force us to love him or draw near to him even though he made it clear how he feels about us and how he desires a special relationship with each one of us. God desires that we're grateful and thankful for all that he is and all that he means to us. Our spouses and children crave a close relationship with us in the very same way. And so let's make the most of our opportunities to serve and to love our families. And let's ask God to help us leave loving memories and a legacy that will impact others.